Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including table lay talk with Gary Kent, point of order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, future focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Says. Welcome. This is Kurt Sumner, your host today for Surveyor Says, the NSPS podcast series. Always glad when I'm able to uh, be the host of one of these. And in particular, I'm happy when I'm able to talk to one of our leaders in NSPS. It's been our goal, actually, to have a visit with each of the directors of NSPS. As you know, as our listeners, we have a director representing each of the state surveying societies across the country. And so um, it's always interesting to have those conversations. And today I'm fortunate to have with me our director from the Montana Association, Matt Morris. Welcome, Matt. Thank you, Kurt. I always enjoy my trips out to Montana. I think I may have been to more Montana conferences than any other state in the country, uh, just because Kay keeps me involved and I like visiting with you guys. So. Uh, it's great to have you on the show. When was the last time you were out here? Was the the Calispo conference the last one? I think it was. Yeah. We, we yeah. should probably fix that. We're having our conference. We we fully intend on having an in person conference this year in Missoula, Montana. Oh yeah, I've been. I went to one one meeting in Missoula already. Interesting place. It is. You know, Missoula, like the rest of Montana, is changing rapidly. Uh, We're experiencing a fair amount of growth in in the, we'll call them cities, but larger towns here in Montana. But we'll make sure that you get an invite to the the 2022 conference in Missoula. It'd be good to have you come out. We enjoy having you out here. Yes, yeah, always always fun when I get to come out. You know, Kay's, Kay's brother um, took me on a plane ride, and at, back in those days, he had a little two-seater tandem uh, single-engine plane, and of course, up in Kalispell, and we went out over the the park there a bit. And that was an exciting time for me. I'm I'm afraid of heights, but I felt pretty comfortable sitting in that plane. So. But it was it was a fun trip, that's for sure. Always fun when I visit with you guys. So for our audience, give us a little background about you. I mean, you're a, a native Montana, I, I assume, right? You know, I most certainly am. I I practice and live in my hometown. I was born and raised in a small town called Shoto, Montana. Uh, graduated high school, and then I attended college at Montana State University and took a fair amount of surveying coursework there that allowed for a path to licensure um, after receiving a bachelor's degree and minor and some other credentials. I I moved on from there to Jackson, Wyoming, uh, worked under the direction of a gentleman named Scott Pearson 
for a number of years and made the de- decision to move back to Shoto. Uh, I was going to move back, or I, I moved back to help run the, the family construction company. I grew up, and my parents still have a uh, small excavation company, mine some some gravel and, and rock. Uh, and then through outreach, uh, I had a group of different friends that were looking for a surveyor, and they kept poking, asking, boy, it'd be really nice if you'd do a survey for us. And I, I had, you know, been licensed in Montana for a few months, and I, I kept uh, pushing it off. That, that wasn't the reason I moved back here, and, and within about six months, I decided to open up a small survey company in, in my house, and then it didn't take long before that small survey company grew into my primary source of income. And we moved into the office I'm in right now in 2011. So I, I've been in the same office now for 10 years. Uh, have a a great group that I, I uh, work with here. And I've got a few other things we we do. I, I started a uh, business startup that's a mechanic shop. Every, every surveyor has a survey pickup, or in my case, multiple uh, vehicles and rangers, and always need a mechanic. And I, I was able to hire a really diligent auto mechanic, and, and we started up a mechanic shop because I, I don't need a full-time mechanic. Uh, that was in 2019, and we've diversified into a, a few other other businesses, but uh, mainly we survey land. Uh, when we chatted earlier, Montana. you mentioned that you just recently opened a restaurant. Are you going to be the cook? Oh, I didn't didn't open it. I I bought a restaurant oh, building oh, you that's been mothballed. Okay. Yeah. Um. Two weeks ago, actually, and we'll see what what that turns into. It may end up being a a thriving restaurant in downtown Shoto, Montana, or it may be a reason I go bald and get really cranky. I don't know. <laughs> well, if surveying <laughs> isn't doing it, then you're probably going to be okay, don't you think? I, I think so. Yeah, I could, you know, worst case, I, I could end up washing some dishes. There you go. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> it's clean. It's a clean living. So when you when you first got going and and surveying, did you sort of gravitate to? I'm I'm going to use the term morals. Our 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 people won't necessarily know that's the state organization for surveying in in uh, Montana. Uh, so did you begin to get involved with them pretty quickly, or did you uh, – What? Who, who drew you there, I guess I should say? That's a pretty lengthy story, so I'll, I'll do my best to abbreviate it. <laughs> one of the uh, 
one of the first surveyors I interviewed with out of college was a gentleman named Warren Latfla out of Clyde Park, Montana. And I, I didn't go to work for Warren, but some of the, the information I, I gained from him, this is probably 2003, so it's uh, been a while, but one of the things he said is no matter where you go to work, make sure you work for a firm where the surveyors are actively engaged in the you know, the local society, whether it's Montana, Dakotas, Idaho, wherever that may be, it's important as a professional to stay engaged. And that resonated in the back of my, my mind. And, um, said I, I practiced under Scott Pearson in Wyoming. Scott had been a, a past president of the Wyoming Society. It's where I met Cotton Jones was a while I was working in Wyoming, I met Cotton and Sheridan, I think in 2004, 2005, we've been friends and we're, Cotton's the, the Wyoming director. Uh, we visit, not daily, but, but often. Uh, and, you know, support each other when the need arises with, with uh, field efforts or office efforts. Cotton owns his own survey company as well. Um, you know, it, back to, to Marl's, when I opened up in 2008, I think I'd been to maybe one or two Marl's functions in the course of my career. About 2009, I, I was at a local chapter meeting in Great Falls, Montana, and they had election of officers, and I, I don't know whether I I drew the, the short straw or raised my hand at the wrong time, but my peers decided that youthful energy seemed like a great idea. And back then I was youthful and had probably more energy than not. Um, and in 2009, 2010, somewhere in there, I was elected as the, the North Central Chapter President, which put me on the Marls uh, Board of Directors. And I had made the determination in 2009, we were still kind of, uh, in Montana, we were just starting to feel the, the downturn from 2008 and 2009. I had some free time between opening a business that didn't have any clientele. Uh, there was the economic downturn. I, I thought it was a great time to contribute to society through volunteer work. And I, I signed up as a substitute teacher at the high school I uh, got involved with my professional organization and ended up on a county board. Um, I, I don't know how I ended up on the cemetery board, except for I raised my hand, drew a short straw, <laughs> something of that nature. So I served on the, the Teton County uh, Cemetery Board until just recently, from 2009. Uh, then Marls, my first... My first Marl's Board of Directors meeting was in Medora, North Dakota. And Medora, North Dakota is a long drive from Shoto, Montana. I, I believe it, you know, it, was, it was the better part of a day's travel to get there. And if you've never been in the Badlands of North Dakota, it's a sight worth beholding, but I'm not sure if it was worth the drive. <laughs> so I attended that 
we ended up with a conference in Great Falls, Montana, shortly after, I believe it was 2012. And I, as the chapter president, ended up as the chairperson for the conference committee. Came up with a list of speakers and lined up a, uh, worked with Kay, who, who, it's like on autopilot. She's like, well, you need to do this, you need to do this, and help me with this. And, you know, it's like, okay, uh, <laughs> let's see what we can do. We got the conference up and going, and then I was voted in as president of the state association. I served as a uh, Marl's president for the 2013-2014 uh, term, and that's when I really became acquainted with the operations of NSPS. My my first trip was when we had a lobby day, they, they called it. Uh, we flew into to Baltimore. Remember after that, that we rode the, the train down from there. We did. I, I believe we, we took a, a shuttle in to D.C. We, we had a driver take us in. I don't remember if, who all was, was there. I'd have to jog my memory, but we took a Suburban in to, to D.C. and then rode the train back out. Uh, that I don't know if that you obviously you've been involved in in a lot of things in morals and and legislative things regulatory all those kind of things but it, it's been a real pleasure to, to watch you working within NSPS and and growing in that position and actually been one of the people who's always been involved in our lobby days and and legislation as it comes along, if we have to deal with those kind of things. And I'm really appreciative of, of how much you get involved in that. We, we hope everyone will do that because it, it helps the organization to have people that know local politicians and sort of know the ropes to be involved. So that, that's been a big plus for us to have you have doing that. Yeah, you know, that's the, obviously I enjoy it. And this last spring, we, uh, as part of XCOM, we were requested uh, to attend the in-person board of directors meeting, or at least the ex the executive committee itself met in person for the last board of directors meeting. Uh, knowing that I was going to be out there, they, there was a virtual day on the hill. I. I prefer to request my own appointments. I, I find that you know, I, for for the Montana delegation, they seem to respond well to a constituent asking for an appointment. So I going through my my list of duties and what days I'm flying into to uh, Dulles and going to Maryland. I I throw out a, a quick email that I, I'm going to be in. DC area, but would like to schedule a Zoom meeting. We ended up having a, a meeting with, with Senator Daines and his staff. Uh, JB and I attended, I, I believe that was the first time JB had been on Capitol Hill in over a year. By the way, for our and listeners, we were, J, the JB Matt, uh, Matt's talking about is, is John Burr, JB Burr, who is our um, official lobbyist. Correct. Um, 
I think JV was was a little apprehensive uh, and doubtful that we'd have an in-person meeting, but as it progressed, he's like, "Well, I, I guess we got, we should do this." And I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely." We were the only ones that that uh, I could tell in, in the Senate buildings that were not either an elected official or staff of an elected official, which is a little weird. Yeah, that Usually, be, when you're yeah. in the Knowing how busy those halls of Congress are, that would be a little, uh, not unnerving, but certainly a different perspective, right? Oh, it's a completely different perspective. You know, downtown Shota, Montana, you, you wouldn't think there's any pandemic going on when, when I travel outside of my hometown, there's signs of you know the, the the pandemic did affect quite a, a few different places and you know we're fortunate we don't have the population density here in montana that other parts of the nation have i i guess getting back to tomorrow's I, I still am active in the state association where we in montana have legislative session every two years and we we had just finished up one i i serve on the, the legislative committee and we tell you stories for for hours about that um, but recently had a uh, well we, we've had multiple bills uh, that we've worked on and testified uh, either for or against here in Montana. I seem to remember a couple of things that happened in the not too distant past. Sometime this year, something came up about um, a case. It might have been tied to a, an old subdivision or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it it had to do with uh, subdividing like rural land and might have even been an encroachment I, uh, issue. I don't know. I just remember. I get out, like I said, I get those things when Kay sends them. They're always interesting to read. The uh, the two big ones that that came through, uh, again, uh, my opinion is that they were important to the survey association. One was a remodeling of licensure responsibilities. And when we we did that, um, or when the the bill was was sent out, it would strip searching for monuments and determining boundary locations from the licensure of a surveyor. You know that any lay person could do it and charge for it, which was of significant importance to the association to have defeated. And we did. Um, we spoke with the sponsor of the bill and, you know, he was under the impression that the the proposed bill would, would allow for economic opportunity for others. Um, 
which maybe it would, but it, it defeats the purpose for having licensure requirements as land surveyor. Sort of undermines the whole idea of why licensure exists. It does. For that protection. It does. You know, and that was our our counter argument was, yeah, you may be, you may feel this is employing or allowing other people to be employed, yet you're not allowing for the public's health, safety, and welfare to be protected underneath licensure, which is why we have licensure. Um, that. That got us a little bit of traction, but we ended up doing a fair amount of work with our individual representatives. And we were able to get get the bill defeated. Yeah, one of the things that seems to me, at least, is when I get all that information that comes through, um, not, I'm not saying there's any kind of certainty, but it seems to me that you guys have a pretty good way of getting uh, more surveyors, more members of the organization involved in these kind of things than perhaps happens in, in some other states. And there are a lot of states that are really, really active. But it just seems to me that, that, that you all get pretty good participation, or it seems that way from the correspondence I see going back and forth. You know, we do. We have a real active state society. And, you know, the legislative committee, again, we only have a legislative session every two years. So the legislative committee, we, we've chosen not to have a lobbyist for the last few sessions. And that's something we plan on discussing at our board meeting here in, well, it's on Saturday of this week. But there, there's a, a key group of people who are active and, you know, through email and phone calls, uh, Jamie Reed, who works, works in Kalispell and Mike Lapp have been really beneficial to the state society and, and their, their work uh, on that committee. But the modern surveyor, you know, needs to be, fairly active in the political arena, not only to defend our profession, but the rights of our clients to some extent. Sure. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. If you, you sit back and just allow every bill to go through with, without providing a little check and some expert advice, then the only pre, you know the only person you have to blame for the government enacting regulations is yourself. And we've had there was a, a recent bill. Montana, a lot of states have have provisions I, I've seen where you can have a one-time transfer to a family member or something similar. There was a rather restrictive um, covenant you could say being placed some zoning restrictions as well as a, a hold time on, on the transfers uh, was proposed in some legislation uh, 
recently. We we got together as the legislative committee and decided that, that it was a poor bill and did our best to lobby our local representatives to get it shut down, you know, killed in committee. And that didn't happen. It was sponsored by the president of the Senate here in Montana. Uh, long story short, the bill made it through both houses and was amended to include boundary line adjustments. And the way it read was ambiguous to where if you didn't have the same owner, it, it could have been interpreted that if two lots were owned or two parcels were owned by separate entities or separate owners, you may not be able to adjust the boundary. We spent a significant amount of time discussing uh, that with the Lieutenant Governor and ultimately the Governor's Office and we able to get the Montana Association of Counties to to join with us and lobby the Governor for a veto of the bill, which he did. Now, um, it's one of many bills that were vetoed that's being pulled for interest to see if the veto be overridden. Um, so that, how does that process work exactly? I mean, you've got the bill, it's been signed by the governor. Is there, a, for lack of a better term, a quick fix where people try to get that um, rescinded or does it go through the whole process again? So, you know, the governor, once the, once a bill passes both sides of, of the, um, you know, the Senate and the House of Representatives, it gets transferred to the, the governor's desk. He has, I believe, 14 days, maybe it's 10, to sign it, veto it, or automatically allow it to come uh, into law. In the case of this bill, he vetoed it. Then there's a period of time that uh, that bill can be voted on in the veto overturned and it takes I believe two-thirds of both bodies to overturn it I'm not sure so if, they if that it sounds like that timing could be pretty fast uh, and I, I'm, I don't know enough about all the different state laws to know if that's normal that it, that that reconsideration comes so quickly or not well that's I'm not I'm not sure on the time frame. I did see an email come through here. Oh, it was about a week, week and a half ago that it was one of many for consideration that they're sending out for polling. And we, as morals, sent out a, a form letter to send to representatives and senators advising them to, to allow the, the veto to stand. Um, it's still in process. I believe that there's still a chance it could be uh, voted on and resurrected. We're talking earlier. The key about... is no. Go ahead. Oh, the, the the key is to try to get bills that are poor legislation killed in committee, right. not in the governor's office. You were talking in the beginning about your background and and going to to, to college and coming back in. 
how do things stand in Montana in, in terms of the supply chain for bringing surveyors in? Are the are the schools being able to keep up with demand, uh, or are they preparing too many people, or how, how's that playing out? Well, we have three different schools that offer surveying curriculum. Montana State University offers through the civil engineering department a minor, I believe, in land surveying. Montana Tech, which is in Butte, and Highlands Co College offers a two-year uh, AAS and Flathead Community College up in, in Kalispell offers a two-year associates as well. Um, I don't know for certainty, but I, I bet they have 100% placement. The, the need for surveyors is, you know, the uh, demand is higher than the supply from what I can tell. I wonder about um, that because, you know, when you look around, I know I visit with all the states and, and um, it's almost like a generational thing, you know. There, in some places, there are a lot of people in my age group, which is pretty far from yours, um, and and there's a gap that you see from time to time. And then other places, it seems as though they're always filling that gap. So I was just curious if that was. Uh, you know, there's when I sit at a board of directors meeting. I, I'm 44 years old, and I'm one of the the younger members of the board. Um, both with NSPS and Marls, right. there's more surveyors retiring than there are being licensed. And I think that's a national trend. I, yes, I don't you? Yes, I do. And then you always have the, the question of with technology, do you need as many as you used to? And that's a tough question because it isn't all about technology. I don't believe it is, uh, you know, I, and I might get some backlash for saying it, but there's less need for uh, field staff to some extent. You know, we practice primarily in boundary projects, whether they're public or, or private funded. Um, the majority of the work that comes out of my firm is, is boundary related. We don't, you know, not a lot of construction staking or, or topography. When, you know, the field work burden for a project might be eight to, to 16 hours. The office burden, drafting, research, et cetera, is at least three to four times that. As technology progresses, the, the field component of surveying, and I say unfortunately because I, I, like most surveyors, didn't get in this to sit behind a computer all day. Uh, I like being out in the field surveying. I like finding boundary stones. Uh, you know, I, the old adage of a, a bad day of fishing is better than a good day at work. Well, a yeah. bad day of field work is often more relaxing and enjoyable than a good day in the office. Yeah, I can certainly understand that. 
you know, one of the things that that uh, you mentioned when when we first came on that you know, typical day is the same as the day before, and one of the things that that's always uh, impressed me about you and Cotton and a number of other people on our board is that you guys aren't afraid to tackle anything. You know, you just, whether it's going out to see things you haven't seen during a meeting or issues that come along. And uh, that's impressive to me to, to see younger folks and in, in my, you know, a lot younger than me, obviously, but just have that attitude, just go at it and not be timid. I'm always impressed by that. It's got me in trouble a few times, Kurt. <laughs> well, I understand that. But, but then again, uh, you can get in trouble doing almost anything or you can get in trouble doing nothing. So, Yeah. May as well have some fun in life. Yeah, I agree. And you, you guys certainly know how to do that. And I've always been impressed by that spirit that, that you, you all have. And, um, it's not uncommon among our, our cohorts within our organization or our profession. Um, but uh, maybe I've just been around you guys more often uh, when you're doing those kind of things than I am with other people sometimes. <laughs> but it's, it's always impressive to me just to have that attitude. But, but let's go get it done. Yeah, you know, we had a conversation about what's a typical day. Well, that's the part of the profession that I enjoy is I don't, you know, I don't have a typical day. My typical day starts in the morning and ends when when I go home. But what happens in between is different every day. I mean, I, I don't come in, punch a time clock and sit in front of a computer and want to drill a pencil in the side of my my head for eight hours. I, I'm busy. And it might be a trip to the, the local courthouse or one clean across the state to do research for a day. It may be digging for corners or reviewing surveys or a combination of, of all of those activities. And then you throw in, you know, the administrative roles of running a, a firm, whether it be invoicing or making sure payroll is done on time. There's, every day is a different experience. And that's that's one of the great things about surveying, isn't it? That we all in, in our profession get an opportunity to, to see that. And there, it's not the, the mundane go in and do the same thing every day for the same amount of time and all those kind of things. So that's one of the things that obviously attracted you and, and certainly did me as well. And I think for most surveyors, that's the case. And I, I really appreciate you joining me today. I, like I said, when we came in, this particular series is is trying to get uh, more of our listeners and uh, people in general to know about who our leaders are and, and what their lives are like and, and the types of things that they like to do. So I, I really appreciate you joining me today, man. Absolutely, Kurt. It's been a pleasure to visit with you. And I'll be seeing you sometime soon. we got fall meetings coming up. We do in, in Illinois. Right. Tim's got a big I, deal planned for us, so we ought to have a lot of fun. Should be an enjoyable time. I think it will be. Be, be good to be back together again, won't it? <laughs> it will. You know, it's always 
it's always enjoyable to run into peers and the conversation that that you're able to have with, with surveyors all over the nation is the, the valuable part of NSPS. You know, find out that things aren't that different for people in Maine or Oklahoma. Exactly. They're seeing the same type of work trend and that's that's an enjoyable part of the meetings for, for me anyway. Absolutely, I agree. Has been for me all these years too. Well, thanks again, Matt. I appreciate it and we'll be talking sometime soon, I'm sure. That sounds great, Kurt. Thank you. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help. I will. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says Podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.